Oh, thank you all. It is, it is so great to be back with you. I was here last December, and they let me come back. I'm so, so excited about that, and uh, hopefully get to do this a few more times uh, next year. Man, I, I've, I've been friends with George since I was 17 years old, which was like only like eight years ago. Uh, but uh, we've been friends a long time, loved, loved Nate, watched him uh, grow up, and uh, man, I just I, I feel so honored to get to be here with you all, a gracious bunch of people, and just trying to make a difference. I am, uh, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. Please don't hold that against me. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of IU fans and Indiana people up here, but uh, uh, I, I got to be at Nate's house last night and watch my Wildcats beat the Florida Gators last night, which we never do. Uh, so it, it was really, really fun. Hey, I want to welcome all of you that might be joining us online today as well. Grateful for you. and Thanks for uh, joining us at, at Northside today. We have been looking at some of the different uh, I am statements that Jesus dropped along the way. Now, you, you know, Jesus, he was quite the name dropper in, in the best sense of, of the term. And it's been a really cool journey uh, of getting to know him better. And if you, if you missed any of the, uh, uh, the, the weekends where we talked about the different I am statements, you can check it out online and kind of get caught up because it's so cool to learn about Jesus that way. But can I give you a little background on the whole I am thing? Uh, some of you may have heard of this guy named Moses. Uh, he, he, was, he was a man that God used to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He was the, you know, part the Red Seas, bring down the Ten Commandments guy. You might have heard of this guy. Well, there's a really cool encounter uh, that you can find in Exodus chapter 3 where God meets with Moses on the backside of a mountain called Sinai. He'd been hiding out. He was a fugitive. Uh, for 40 years, he's tending sheep out in the middle of nowhere. And God speaks to him and tells him that he has chosen him to lead the nation out of bondage. And of course, Moses responds, yes, I can't wait. Bring it on, Pharaoh. No, he does not do that. He stutters, makes excuses and say, you, you, you talking to me? And then he says this to God. I love this. Suppose I go. He's like saying, okay, hypothetically speaking, let's just say I say yes to you about this. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, okay, what's his name? Then what am I going to tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That just gives me chills every time I read it. For the very first time, God drops his name. I am, always have been, always will be, I am. So 40 or so generations later, Jesus shows up on the planet as God in the flesh, and guess what he says? I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the vine. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. And today... He drops this one. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, Florence Chadwick was an accomplished swimmer who had already swam the English Channel. She decided to swim in the Pacific Ocean from Catalina Island back to the mainland. And as it always is, there was super foggy, very, very chilly. And more than once, she begged to be taken up into the boat. But her mom kept encouraging her from the boat, said, keep going, you can make it. I, I, I think we're getting closer. Keep going. But finally, just emotionally and physically spent, she asked to be taken up out of the water. 
It wasn't until she was in the boat that she realized she was only 800 yards away from the shore. At the news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was the fog. If I could have seen the shore, I think I could have made it. Well, today, I want to help you see the shore. Because if we can see the shore, I, I think we can make it. You know, there's a whole lot of things in this life that get overrated. You know, movies get overrated, restaurants get overrated, vacation destinations get overrated, cars get overrated, teams get overrated. There's a lot of things in life that are overrated. Hope's not one of them. Hope's not one of them. When we are trapped in a tunnel of misery, it is hope that points us to the light at the end. When we're overworked and exhausted, it's hope that gives us fresh energy. When we're tempted to quit and throw in the towel, it's hope that keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, it's hope that dulls the panic. When we struggle with a lingering illness or a crippling disease, it's hope that helps us push past the pain. When we fear the worst, hope reminds us that we have a God who is still in control. When we have to say our final farewell to those we love, it's hope that helps us navigate our grief. And when we're swimming in the fog. It's hope that keeps us going. There's a lot of things in life that are overrated. Hope's not one of them. Hope's not one of them. There's this amazing scene in which Jesus not only drops his name, but sweeps away the fog and reveals the hope that he gives to all of us. This story is found in John chapter 11. If you have a Bible, you can turn to that. If you've got an app that you use, we're going to put it on the screens as well. We kind of track along together. I, I can remember when I was in a, a seminary, a professor told us one time that once we got into ministry in a church, we really, weren't, we really couldn't have any close friends. And I remember sitting there thinking, that dude must be really lonely. And I also thought, that's not right because Jesus had all kinds of friends. And he had a bunch of really close friends. And some of his closest friends were living in a little town called Bethany. Two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Jesus hung out with them a lot. They all shared this very deep love and respect. They were super close. Well, Jesus gets word one day that his buddy Lazarus is gravely ill. And along with that message was the assumption that he would rush right over to Bethany and help out. Well, he doesn't rush over. He tells his disciples that Lazarus is sick. But his sickness was not going to end in death, that God was going to be glorified through it all. And he just stays put for a couple of extra days. And then a few days later, he tells his guys, says, all right, it's time to go. We're going to go back to Judea and we're going to go check on our good friend Lazarus. He's been really, really sick. In fact, he has fallen asleep, meaning that he had died. And his guys say to him, go back to Judea. Seriously, Jesus, remember the last time we were there, they tried to kill you? Going back is way too dangerous. And besides, if Lazarus is asleep, let's just let him sleep and get some rest. He'll soon get better. And then Jesus just has to plainly tell him, actually, Lazarus is already dead. And then Jesus adds this, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see you. And they say, okay, even though we think it's way too risky to go, let, let's go. And they set out for Bethany just a few miles from Jerusalem. Well, they get there, and they can see in the distance a bunch of friends who are grieving with and consoling the family. And they find out that Lazarus has already been in the grave for four days. And they see Martha coming toward them. How many of you have done the personality profile test, Enneagram stuff? Any of you guys have done that? How many extroverts we got here? 
How many, how many introverts we got here? Uh, thinkers, feelers, spontaneous, planners, and we're all different, right? And these two sisters, Mary and Martha, could not have been more different. Mary was more the expressive, artistic, feeler, kind of caught up in the moment kind of person. Martha is more of a planner, she's a thinker, she's a worker, she's a woman of action. In fact, you might have heard of the time where they throw a dinner party for Jesus and his guys, and Martha comes to Jesus all stressed out and a little bit ticked, and she says, hey, could, could you come get my sister to come in here and help me in the kitchen? I am busting my tail, and she's just sitting there kind of lost in the moment. So it's no surprise that it's Martha who goes out to meet Jesus first before he even gets to the house, and she's not happy with him. They don't want to make a scene in front of all the friends who had gathered back at the house. So she meets him on the road and says to him, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You ever said something like that? Man, I have. God, if, if only you, now fill in the blank. And you know what you need? You need to get that honest with God. You need to get that honest with what you're feeling. To, to not do so is very unhealthy. You come to God and whatever emotions you, you got going on inside of you, you just let him know whether it's anger or disillusionment or you got questions or just raw pain. I think this verse is in here to give us permission to get that honest with God. God, if only you, guess what? He can take it. Plus, he really wants to. You ought to read the Psalms sometimes. You talk about raw emotion. I mean, you read through them. David, who writes most of them, he yells at God. He cries out to God. He just expresses his pain, his anger. I mean, David just vomits out all kinds of emotion. And here's what I've noticed about David's approach in the Psalms. He says, I'm going to get honest with what is going on inside of me. And then I'm going to let the truth about God Heal me. For instance, with passion, he writes stuff like, my heart is broken. I am wasting away. No one cares. I'm surrounded by haters. Tears just drench my pillow. On and on he goes. But the cool thing is, he doesn't stay there. After he pours out his honest rant to God, he shifts to, but here's the truth. You're my refuge. You're my shelter. You're the good shepherd. You're the lover of my soul. Oh, God, you are the lifter of my head. He starts to focus on the truth of God's character, and it begins to heal him. And, I, and I'm guessing as Martha looks into the eyes of Jesus out here on the road, she can see the truth of his character. I mean, she knows that he cares deeply about them. So she calms down a little bit, and she says, verse 22, but even now, I know, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And most likely, Jesus embraces her in a warm hug and lifts her chin and wipes her tears and says, Martha, your brother will rise again. And she comes back with, yeah, I, I get that. I, I believe that someday we're all going to rise and everybody else rises. Like way down the road, we'll all be together. But I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about now. And then Jesus drops his name. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Man, I love that. And here's what I especially love about it. It's not just I will be the resurrection life, not just I have always been the resurrection life. He says, I am. Present tense. Right now in your grief, right now in your heartbreak, right now in your confusion, right now in your anger, right now in your disappointment, I am. Not only the one who has been faithful for generations, I'm not only your hope for the future, but I am right now in this very moment. And somebody here needed to hear that today, that God is not distant. He is with you right now. He is for you right now. He's helping you work through your grief right now. He's helping you beat that addiction right now. He's helping you navigate that relational heartbreak right now. He's helping you handle that stinging criticism right now. Present tense, he is near and he cares. Plus, that future that you're worried about, that thing that's lurking out there for all of us, I'm talking about the thing that nobody cheats. I mean, the stats on death are pretty impressive, right? One out of one people die. Into that, look what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Oh, can you see the shore? Jesus puts his hands on Martha's shoulder and asks her, Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? And man, that's such a huge question. Do do you believe this? Man, it's a question I've had to wrestle with. It's a question I, I think I've probably thrown out at every funeral service I've ever done in my entire ministry. Because gang, that question is an invitation to hope. That question is an invitation to peace and freedom. That question is an invitation to build your life on something that's rock solid and and, and certain and and true. Do you believe this? Well, Martha answers, says, yes, I've always believed that you are the Messiah. You're the promised Savior. You're the Son of God. Yes, I, I believe. And then she goes back to the house to get her sister. And she says to the people there, excuse me, I need to speak with my sister, pulls her aside, says, Mary, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. Come on. Well, Mary, who's the feeler, she rushes out of the house to go meet him. And all the people assume that she is distraught and headed to the grave to mourn the passing of her brother. So they all follow her. And when she gets out there to the road where Martha met him, she sees Jesus. And she's not as confrontational as her sister, but she just falls down at his feet and says the exact same if only thing. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Did you all know that God hates death? Yeah, he hates it. He looks at death and thinks it wasn't supposed to be this way. To witness our heartbreak, to enter into our grief, our sorrow, not only does it break his heart, but check this out, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. I think Jesus is standing going, it shouldn't be like this. The condition of this world made the way it is by mankind and free will rebellion, all the evil, all the suffering, all the dysfunction, all the disease, all the brokenness, all the heartbreak, all the grief, all the sadness stirs anger in the heart of our creator. Well, after a moment, Jesus asked him, where's the grave? 
Where'd you put Lazarus? They said, we'll show you this way. Then in the shortest verse in the entire Bible, one of the most power-packed passages in the Bible, it simply says this, then Jesus wept. He just loses it. Breaks down and publicly sobs. He's a mess. Did you know that when we weep, he weeps? I mean, Scripture tells us that God even collects our tears in his bottle, cares deeply about our pain. And the people standing there, they see Jesus break down. They say, oh, man, look at him. He sure did love Lazarus, didn't he? I I knew they were close, but, man, Jesus is losing it. Then other people began to whisper and grumble, saying, yeah, but you know what? He healed some anonymous blind guy the other day. If he really cared, he could have kept his good friend Lazarus from dying. And if there had been social media, they would have been posting all about it, right? Verse 38, Jesus was still angry, wiping his tears, still mad at death, disease, heartbreak, as he arrives at the tomb. It was a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus tells him. But Martha... The dead man's sister protests, Lord, he's been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. Or in the old King James Version, it says, but Lord, by this time, he stinketh. (laughs) You ever served in a middle school camp, summer camp? You know what she was talking about. After four days, they stinketh. I mean, wow. Verse 40, Jesus responds, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they roll the stone aside. Then Jesus looks up to heaven and says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet, isn't it awesome? His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus tells him, unwrap him and let him go. I am the resurrection and the life. Can you see the shore? I think if we can see the shore, we can make it. Make no mistake about it, the swim here can be really hard. I mean, these past few years have been exhausting, frustrating, confusing, heartbreaking for so many people on so many different kind of fronts. And if you've lived on this earth very long, you've, you've experienced some really, really hard things. I mean, Jesus told us straight up that we would. He said, you will have hard times. Life on this broken planet can be rough and it can be chaotic, but I am the resurrection and the life. He is our hope. There's a guy named Paul who was changed by the grace of God when he experienced the resurrected Jesus. I want you to see what he writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Can you see the shore? You see, the good news is that this world full of injustice and disappointment and heartbreak and tragedy and pain really is our temporary home. We're only here for a little while. It really is a little while. A guy asked God one time, hey, God, isn't it true for you like a a thousand years is like a second? God said, yep, absolutely. And God, isn't for you like a, like a, a, a million dollars is like a penny? God said, yep, you, you, that's right. So, well, well, God, I, I was wondering, uh, could, could I get one of your pennies? God said, sure, just a second. 
<laughs> so I was stupid. The, the, the average U.S. Expectance, life expectancy uh, in this country we live to be 78.06 years. Now let's suppose that a thousand years is literally like a day. If you do the math with all that, our total life, our total life converts to one hour and 52 minutes. About the length of a movie or nine holes of golf or the time it takes to get across a bridge in Louisville. Now, you take all the tough times compared to all the good times in that one hour and 52 minute life, and you can see the reality of what the Apostle Paul writes when he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and what? Momentary troubles. Momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Katie Ann and Billy, good friends of ours. Um, their little girl, Bennett, was just full of life. Just so fun and funny and cute. And she contracted cancer, and it was a long battle for them. And uh, as things started to wind down a bit, they began to talk to her about heaven. And Katie Ann said that she would, uh, then it would say to her, hey, Mommy, you know, if I get there first, it's going to be okay. I'll just send you flowers. Well, cancer eventually did take her life. And Katie Ann's a remarkable person, just awesome. But she was heartbroken, living in that if only one day she's cleaning the house and having a particularly hard day. And she said, I just kind of cried out to God, God, I sure could use some of those flowers from Bennett about right now. She's vacuuming a room upstairs and she looks on a rug and there's a little puzzle piece turned upside down. And she thought that was odd because she didn't remember having a puzzle. She reached down and turned it over on the flip side of that puzzle piece was a bouquet of flowers. She said it was almost like God was just speaking to her, I love you, I understand, I love Bennett more than you could imagine, and you can only see a small piece of how this all fits together. We will all be together forever very soon. I am the resurrection and the life. One of Jesus' closest friends, who was not only there the day told, Jesus told Lazarus to come out of the grave, but he also saw Jesus, talked with Jesus, ate breakfast with Jesus after his resurrection from the dead. His name was Peter, and he writes this later. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for, here's those words again, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He's telling his original readers and he's telling us, we're only here for a little while. So don't let pandemics or politics or persecution steal your joy. You have been given a living hope through the one who is the resurrection and the life. And your real home is waiting for you in heaven. Can you see the shore? Anybody love movie trailers? I like to go to the movie early so I can watch those previews of coming attractions. 
now, in reality, sometimes a movie is not nearly as good as a trailer, right? And you're, you're disappointed with the movie. Not so with God. You know, all the good things that we love about this life, and there are plenty, those things that resonate deep in our soul, the things we love best about this life, guess what? They're just previews of coming attractions. Uh, again, I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by just giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Man, I love that. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so we'll never settle for less. Because as good as it can get in this life, and it can get good sometimes, it's still just a preview of coming attractions. The Bible says that this hope, this living hope will not disappoint. Listen to me, there's a day coming where every day is gonna be full of joy and fulfillment and purpose and passion and accomplishment, a place where all the things we love to do are gonna be unhindered by evil or imperfection because those things no longer exist. No more wrestling with temptation because evil will be history. It's a place where all of our inner longings will be fulfilled. John, the one who recorded this scene of Lazarus coming out of the tomb, later writes down this revelation, the vision that God gave him about our coming future. He says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All those things are gone forever. Can you see the shore? Little kids were asked, little kids were asked, what's so great about heaven? A little six-year-old six girl responded, in heaven, there are streets of gold, and you can play right out in the middle of them without getting run over. <laughs> a little five-year-old boy said this, you can play with wild animals there. I'm going to ride me an octopus. <laughs> and so am I, man. Then I'm going to ride a giraffe. Then I'm going to ride a shark right after I go hug the lamb. Some of you live with physical pain every day. I watch some of you shuffle in here today. But there's a day coming. When your body will be pain-free, flexible, quick, fit, perfect, no need for counting calories or carbs or fat grams, no glasses, no hearing aids, no wheelchairs, no artificial limbs, no arthritis, no chemo, new bodies. Some of you live every day with emotional pain. Someday soon. There will be no more struggle with depression or anxiety or panic attacks, no painful memories, no flashbacks, no withdrawal, no nightmares, no baggage, no broken hearts, no tears. 60 seconds after we die, we can throw away our iPhones and our Kleenex. I love standing in airport terminals watching troops get reunited with family members. It's so fun. Just kind of stand on the side and watch them run and get reunited. Man, I can't wait to get to heaven and watch that reunion. I just want to stand by the side and watch some of y'all get reunited with people that you love. And there are so many family and friends I want to see again. I expect to grab a golf ball and tee it up with my grandfather again, and I'm not going to have a slice. And if I, and if I do, I won't care. I won't care. I want to see my mom and dad and their healthy and right minds again. i got so many friends from different ministries we've been involved in through the years. I can't wait. And we will come together from every tongue and tribe and nation, and we will worship the one 
who is the resurrection and the life. I'm guessing that some of you right now are in the fog and you want to quit swimming. Don't. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the great I am, and you can see the shore. You know, we all have fears. We all have anxieties. We all have questions. It just comes with this life. In fact, you know, some of you may have wondered, like, who's going to make sure that good will eventually prevail over evil? And Jesus says, I am. Is, Is there any truth really out there? I am. If my husband really does walk out on us, who's going to take care of us? I am. What if the chemo isn't enough? I am. Who's smart enough to figure out this crazy life of mine? I am. I desperately need something fresh in my life. I am. Leaders are dropping like flies. Is there anyone who's real? I am. Nobody's listening. I am. Who's going to stay with me in this big empty house now? I am. I'm going under. Somebody help. I am. My family deserves so much more. I am. The world is such a mess. Who will ever fix it? I am. Always have been. Always will be. I am. Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? The great I am, Jesus Christ, the one who was, who is, and will always be tells us today that he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he or she dies, they will live. And the question is, do you believe this? If you believe that, you can see the shore and you can keep going. Because he's not just I have been, he's not just I will be, he is I am. Right here, right now. Father, I thank you for that truth. And I thank you how the truth of your character begins to heal the pain and the rawness inside of us. I thank you Jesus, for the way you taught us through these images of being the door and the gate and the good shepherd and the vine and and today the resurrection and the life. God, I pray that that truth would just flood somebody's soul with hope today, that they would feel you as the lover of their soul, the lifter of their head, the wiper of their tears, that they would feel you wrap them up in a warm embrace and I got you. I got you right now, and I got you in the future because I am the resurrection and the life. Father, thank you so much. 
And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.